0: Continuing this morning in our series on the names of God, what's God got to do with it? And interesting thing this year, as, as God has been allowing us to pray and, and line up different series, we, we keep coming back to some different things that God has has taught us throughout the year. And one of those things comes to us from Exodus chapter 19. I want to invite you, if you would, to turn there with me. One of the important things that we learned in our momentum series on the life of Moses is that God establishes a covenant with his people, and he does that in the context of a marriage covenant. And in Exodus 19, after God has delivered the people out of Egypt in some spectacular ways, the language that he uses is really interesting because he says, I brought you up out of Egypt on eagle's wings. And in Exodus 19 verse five, he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You will be for me a treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine. God says, listen, I want to be your husband. I want to be, listen, the whole earth is mine, but I'm going to be fully dedicated, fully committed to you. And the people respond in verse 8 of Exodus 19. We will do everything that the Lord has said. This incredible moment there at the base of one of the mountains of Sinai. Where they say, listen, we are with this God. We will be totally His and He will be ours. And so they wrote it down. Because that's what you did in a covenant arrangement. And in keeping with the traditions of those covenant arrangements, there would be a, a full contract of what was to be expected on each side. And in that contract, there would be a summary document. And we know this contract to be known as the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments. And the most important part of the entire thing would be the opening statement. The rest really is just commentary. And so in Exodus chapter 20, God opens up his covenant document with the people, and he says this to them. He says, you will have no other gods before me. And then in Exodus 20, verse five, he says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Now have all the characteristics and and names of God that you know, I, I wonder if you have ever considered this one. I mean, we know God to be all powerful. We know him to be all present, all knowing. We've learned that he is our sanctifier, our peace, our righteousness. He's the creator who created each of us and not only loves us, but likes us. And have you ever thought of God as being jealous? Particularly, have you ever thought of him as being a jealous husband? So how do these people respond to God? It was just a couple days after God said that he wanted to be their God, that he wanted to be their husband and, and that they said, yeah, this is a good deal. We'll be your people. Just a few short days later, just a little bit of time had passed after God had delivered them from Egypt with the plagues, these spectacular signs. He had, he had shown his power by parting the Red Sea as Charlton Heston holds up his staff and the wind blows all night long. He had shown his power by, by bringing out food and, and, and quail and quail and bread and, and water in the desert. They'd had all these amazing things, but after Moses spends just a few too many days on the mountain, they begin to doubt. And they gather their gold and they make an idol familiar to one that they had in Egypt. It's a golden calf. So yeah, you could have the God of the universe who can do all these amazing signs and miracles who you've already committed your life to. You can have him. We just would rather have the cow. I mean, that's what's going on. Moses is so upset about this. He's so incensed with this. He's so upset that they've broken this covenant with God just right away. That he takes the tablets with the summary document and he smashes them to the ground. And God says, well, I guess we gotta do that again. And so he calls Moses back up on the mountain and he writes out the summary statement again. And in Exodus 34, they're writing again and and God says to Moses again, I am making a covenant with you. Exodus 34, verse 10. Before all your people, I will do wonders, never before seen in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I'm glad we're done with the ites, but I'll drive them all out. And in verse 12, be careful not to make a treaty with any of those who live in the land where you're going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. God says, listen, you're about to go into a place where I know there are lots of other things that you can fall in love with. There will be lots of things to distract you. But if you will keep this covenant with me, I will do more for you than you could ever ask or imagine. So here's the question. Are you okay with this? Are you okay with the idea of a God who loves you with an unfailing love, but he will not share you with anybody else? Is that okay? Honestly, not everybody seems to like the idea of a jealous God. In fact, this part of God's character seems to confuse a lot of people and has concerned people over the years. I brought an example Of this type of confusion It's on a video clip here, have a look Uh,
1: I've reconciled it Because I was able to Open my mind About the um, The absolute Indescribable Hugeness of That which we call God Um, I took God out of the box Because I grew up in the Baptist church And there were, you know, rules And, you know belief systems and doctrine, and um, I happened to be um, sitting in church in my late 20s, and I was going to this church where you had to get there at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning or you couldn't get a seat, and a very uh, charismatic minister, and everybody was just, you know, into the sermon, and uh, this great uh, minister was preaching about how great God was and how Omniscient and omnipresent, and God is everything. And then He said, "And the Lord thy God is a jealous God." And I was, you know, caught up in the rapture of that moment until He said, "Jealous." And something struck me. Just, and I was like, uh, I think about twenty-seven or twenty-eight. I was thinking, God is all. God is omnipresent. God is all. And God's also jealous. Jealous. God is jealous of me. Um. And something about that didn't, didn't feel right in my spirit because I believe that God is love and that God is in all things. And so that's when the, the, the search for something more than doctrine uh, started to stir within me.
0: So I wonder when you hear that God is a jealous God, what goes through your mind? When you think of the word jealous, what do you think of? For some, maybe you go back to a dating relationship you had in high school. There was great romance, there was a lot of fun, and then there was the breakup, right? And there was a lot of chatter about the breakup. And maybe both of you were hurt or sad for maybe about 15 minutes before you moved on. I'm not sure what that looked like for you in high school. And when you moved on, your previous main squeeze became jealous. Well, th- this is part of my story, too. Uh, I married my high school sweetheart, but that's not before she suggested we have a break. And um, and so I joke about this as a time where she's far from God, and um, but it doesn't quite go like that. However, uh, she did suggest that we break up, and uh, she's got reasons for that now. But the reason at the time um, was that I was a year older, I was going on to college, and she wanted to give me her, my freedom, which is very, very sweet. Uh, I feel like she may have wanted a little freedom for herself, and so... Um, my wife was a cheerleader and uh, I played varsity basketball and, and so um, you know there was a, a time where she was like the, the cheerleader kind of dedicated to me the secret cheerleader I think we called it and so she would get stuff for me before the games and, and stuff and, and she was also a cheerleader uh, during football season and um, I, I was a part of the football program and I was the hydration technician on the team and, the, um, and so I was so good at hydrating um, that uh, as I went on to college, my high school football coach said, listen, would you come back and show some of these younger pups how to hydrate and how to take care of helmets and all this kind of stuff? And so, uh, yeah, I would, every once in a while, come back from college, I would descend from college and come back to high school. And uh, as I descended one night, um, I, I noticed Angela um, cheering uh, for a particular player on the field. And I felt as though she was being too cheerful. and um, And so... It just, it did something to me. I mean, I went to stab the guy with a knife and the, uh, wasn't quite that bad, but when you think of jealousy, maybe that's what you think of. There's, there's different kinds of jealousy. There's, there's that creepy jealousy that's often in the movies, right? I mean, that one person that got kind of left out and then you turn a corner and there they are staring at you. They've gotten completely obsessed. I mean, when you think of jealousy, maybe you think of that or that kind of, of scary jealousy. But when we talk about jealousy in that way, we're talking about an emotion that is born out of fear. The fear of not finding someone who will love you, the fear of not being good enough, and that the person that you love will ultimately want someone else. Jealousy from our perspective is typically seen, as we talk about it, a very negative emotion. But God doesn't get jealous like that. In fact, He allows this to define Him. And he gives us a name in these passages. Look at Exodus 34 again, if you would, at verse 14. And renewing the covenant, he reminds them, do not worship any other God. For the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Now, I find this to be very, very interesting. Throughout Genesis, we don't know God's name. He's the God who's made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we get to Exodus chapter 3, and Moses says, you've got to give me more than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because these people are never going to believe that you're going to deliver them out away from this Pharaoh. And so God says, tell them that the I Am has sent you. And as we've learned this summer, we have this name for that that's formed over the years that we say Yahweh. But in this period of the Old Testament, the children of Israel would not really have known the name Yahweh the way that we know it today. In fact, what they knew it to be was the unutterable, unpronounceable name of God. In fact, they would say that the name of God, the way that it came together, was just like the sound of breathing. It was as if to say, every time you take a breath in and out, you were saying the name of God. They didn't really have a name that they could go with so to speak. I mean, they used some other things like God Almighty and, and and things like that, but now those were things that they kind of assigned to him to try to have a way to talk about him. But here in Exodus chapter 34, he's very clear. He gives them a name. My name is jealous. The name is If you were to write it out, you would write it out Q-A-N-N-A. And the Q has a K sound. God says, listen, jealousy is not something I do. It's not just something I feel. This is part of who I am. Do not worship any other gods. My name is Jealous. God's jealousy is not born out of fear. It's not a negative emotion. God's jealousy is, comes from His unending devotion for His people. Jealousy, truly, can really only belong to someone in love. Someone who is jealous in love wants the very best for the person they're in love with. They want to love more fully and they want to be loved the very best in return. When Moses is remembering this, there's only a few times that Moses recounts this in the scriptures, but in Deuteronomy chapter four, he says this, remember the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Every part of God burns in a consuming love for his people. God says, listen, I have no intention of sharing your affection with someone else. Like any good husband, he will not tolerate any rivals. For God to be jealous, for him to call himself jealous, means he wants your affection, your desire, your life's purpose to be centered on him. Now really and truly, is it so hard to believe that God would be jealous? I had the privilege of of doing a wedding last night uh, for a couple, Joey and Lauren and, and Lauren's family is attended here for a while. And and her parents, Chris and Candy were there and beautiful setting out in Kennesaw. And we thought it was going to be a really hot night and and it was hot, but God put clouds in front of the sun at the right time. And, and there was a, a wonderful breeze with, with a coat on and a tie. You wouldn't recognize me. I was very thankful, uh, for, for the breeze. And, and so I, I've, I've given just an absolutely tremendous wedding sermon, one of the best you'll ever hear. And that's a joke. And, um, So, but so there we're we're standing there with the couple, and as they're standing in front of me for over ninety minutes while I drone on about weddings and marriage, not really, just keep up. I get to the vows right before the rings, and I always ask the vows first to the man. Joey, will you, will you be true to her, in sickness and in health, till death do you part? We truly do that, and he answered. I do, I will. Yeah, that, that, that sounds good. I agree with everything that you said. Now imagine if I had turned to Lauren and it did not go this way. I don't want to paint her in a bad light, okay? She said, I do, and everything was fine. But imagine if she had said it like this. Imagine if I had looked at Lauren and said, Lauren, will you, in sickness and in health, will you be committed to this guy till death do you part, no matter what comes. Imagine if she looked at him and said, sure, I love him, but I also love him. And him, and him, and him. It changes the moment, doesn't it? It changes the commitment. You see, the concept of jealousy depends on the, on the context of a committed relationship. And the Lord says, listen, I'm committed to this. And because of that, I want a devoted, exclusive, covenant union with my people Because he's a personal God of love, not just the God that we all know, the God that's in everything, not not that at all, but because he's a God who is personally in love with you, he's a God who gets jealous. So what specifically does God get jealous about? Well, the first thing is that God gets jealous for his glory. First Corinthians chapter four, verse seven says, for who do you know that really knows you, knows your heart? And even if they did, is there anything that they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? The writer says this, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, look around. Look at the life that you enjoy. Look at the relationships you have. And yes, count your blessings, but know where they come from. Consider your talents, your, your skills, and, and consider how hard you've worked to get to where you are. But be reminded that it is God who has given you the ability to work. Every breath that you have comes from Him. There is absolutely nothing that we can take credit for. All that we have, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. We have nothing apart from Him. So when someone pats you on the back, when someone says, way to go, whatever it is that you're doing in life, it's important that we recognize that it is always God who gives us the ability. It's all about him. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about one church. It's about him in every single thing that we do. I mean, the scriptures say the heavens declare the glory of God all around us. We can see how wonderful he is, how good he is to his people, how his desire is to give good things to his people. There is no way that we could even for a moment try to take credit away from him. The second thing is that God is jealous for his people. The scriptures say, behold what manner of love that God the father has given to us that we might be called the children of God. There's not a single person walking around today that God doesn't desire to bring his kingdom into their hearts and have them to be in right relationship with him. It's because of his love that God is always pursuing people. I mean, that's the story of the scriptures. God never gives up on his covenant. No matter how many idols we worship, no matter how many other Kingdoms we let come into our path with their gods. He never gives up on his covenant. And when we at the end just absolutely blow it, when we absolutely fail to keep up our end of the covenant agreement, what does he do? He sends his only son, Jesus Christ, to keep up our end of the covenant and to seal it for all eternity. And he continues to pursue over and over again, allowing for circumstances that will draw people. To himself, And if we want to love as God loves, if we want to understand his love more and share in love with him, then we have to join him in the pursuit. That's why we do community makeover. It is not about just blowing up a bunch of numbers with a bunch of churches and a bunch of projects and a bunch of volunteers. Every project represents a life. And every single thing that we do is about sharing kindness, God's kindness with everyone we come in contact with. Not only those that we are serving out on the projects, but those that we've invited to come along with us. I know many of you will invite people from work to come and say, hey, listen, I know you don't go to church. I know you don't know this guy, but this is a great way for you to get to know him because here we all are working together. Earlier this morning, our first service, we had one of our pastors in from Cuba and as you may imagine he he didn't wasn't able to give us a lot of notice that he was going to be here he'll be back next sunday and hopefully we'll have a way for you to get to see him in a little bit larger way but as a church when you give here you're helping support two pastors in cuba we pay their their annual salaries and pastor rafael was was here today and we he he was able to to see all that god's doing here and, and they pray for us regularly and what a lot of people don't know about cuba and where he serves is that in cuba they're living on A dollar a day, $2 a day. Government just giving them just what they need. I mean, they really live no differently than people in the poorest parts of the world, including the bush of Africa. And he works there in in San Francisco de Paula, this little town where it's claim to fame is that Hemingway had one of his homes there but it is literally a, a place that time has forgotten. The streets are, are filled with potholes and, and pavings that happened over 50 years ago that have gone horribly wrong and been distorted in hurricanes and things over the years. They are absolutely filled with need. And here's a guy, here's a person who honestly doesn't have to be there. He could choose to go somewhere else, but you know what? He's just here on vacation. He's going back. You know why? because he loves the people that God has put him in contact with. And he is in constant pursuit of those people as he serves day in and day out. And that's why we go to Africa, Burkina Faso, this little country in West Africa where we invest. We had a team just get back, and I've seen a few of you around here this morning. I haven't had a chance to talk with with many of them yet. And one of the things that happens on a mission trip is a lot of times we're just, we're just links in a chain. We're just trusting that God is going to draw people to himself later on. And This team kind of had an interesting week because not only were they the links of the chain, they were, I'm not sure what the metaphor would be, they were the carabiner because they saw the whole thing come together. Because 20 Muslim students put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ last week while our team was there doing an English camp. And... One of those students is a young man named Amadou and he had told Connie Fields over a year ago, Chris and Connie are there at the, at the house where we stay with, with Joanna Gregg, another Westridge who's there and, and as they, they host teams that come and they, when we're not there, when teams aren't there, they're, they're serving at this high school and, and this young man had said, you know what, I am never going to believe what you're talking about this Jesus. I'm never going to put my faith and trust in that. But what do you do? to share in love with this jealous God who wants nothing more than to draw people to himself. You keep praying, you keep investing, you keep having the conversation till last week he became one of the 20. God is jealous for his people. So this morning, how do we respond to Kanah, our jealous God? In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. How do you define love? I mean, we can define it just as a, a mental affection, just a thought, but, but truly it's more than that. It includes action that, that demonstrates our commitment to the person that we love. Another word to interpret soul, the way Christ uses it would be the word life. Jesus was saying every act in your life should be centered around a love for God, Listen, you cannot worship God correctly unless you worship Him only. So what is competing for your love? We should focus our affection on Him completely. When we do that, it allows us to demonstrate His love to others. But what's competing today? What's competing for your love? If someone who barely knew you or to watch your actions or spend the day with you? What would they say you love? I mean, on a Saturday in, in the fall, we, we know that we love football, right? Someone's gonna spend some time with you that doesn't know you. They may look at you and go, you really love that. Uh, you've got some issues with love. That's great for you. Uh, this time of year, we love the Braves. Go Braves. Uh, doing pretty well. We're excited about that. Maybe some of you, you, you kind of you got your shirt on today, your hat, you're ready to take down the Phillies another day. That's what you love. What about Monday morning? What about if someone were to follow you around just in your daily routine? What would they say that you love? Coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. And at some point, it switches over to Red Bull or Monster. Not sure why that is, but a switch must be made. That's what I love. When you go to work, what would, what would the person shadowing you, and this may be creeping you out right now, but what would the person shadowing you, what would they say? What do you love? He seems to love that, or he seems to treat that person a lot nicer than that one. When they see you with your family, what would they say that you love? With your spouse, with your kids, if you're not married, just with other friendships. And let me ask a question. At what point during a given day would a person be able to say, this person loves God. If you love someone, you actually look at them occasionally, right? Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. If you love someone, you actually talk to them. I wonder how often do you talk to God? If if that person that that you're in love with, if, if they have tried to communicate with you and if they've, if they've written things down for you, you would, you would read them, wouldn't you? If you're in love with someone, you would, you would show it with your actions. You would do things for them. And, and Jesus says when you've done something for the least important person in the room, for the person that maybe everybody else has overlooked, Jesus says it's like you've done that out of love for me. In 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul says, whatever you do, eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. In Colossians, he says, every word or deed you take part in on a given day should be done in the name of the Lord. If we could just hang out together, would your words, would your deeds, would your thoughts, would they be captured with moments of dedication and love for God? Too many times in our moments of hurt and doubt or just sheer restlessness, we set our hearts on things that steer us away from God. The Apostle Paul says it like this, 2 Corinthians 11, he says, I have a divine jealousy for you. Later on he would say, but I'm I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. To so the Apostle Paul it was simple. In fact, another word for sincere in that verse may just be in your translation just simple. It's really simple. Just everything that you do, <laughs> make him the center of Every word that you say, every thought that you think for his glory, put everything on him and allow nothing to steer you away. I want to go back to Exodus 34 for just a moment. These passages concerning God's covenant in the Old Testament are so important. Places like Exodus 6, Exodus 19 and 20, and then here again in Exodus 34 as the new tablets are being written. To me, these passages are some of the most important in all of the scriptures because God describes himself. And as he's describing himself, he demonstrates his faithfulness. But beyond that, this covenant is built on mercy. And he proves it over and over again with every failure of the Hebrew people and with every failure of ours, every single day, we know that his covenant, that his jealous love for us is built on mercy. Look how he says it himself in Exodus 34 verses six and seven. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness Rebellion and sin. See, I know that when we talk about the names of God, and I know that when we talk about the idea that in God's character that he is love, and because he is love, he's jealous. I know that when we talk about this, some of you really struggle for a lot of us, we just walk in and it's just kind of that mental thing. It's just, okay, I learned a new name for God today. I hadn't heard Kana before. That, that's kind of cool. And it just kind of tuck that away. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I, I know that about God. But really in your heart of hearts, you, you don't sense that you are going to fall any more in love with him today or or really that he's any more in love with you. I know for a lot of you that have been in broken relationships, where there's been a lot of hurt, that it's hard to believe that the God of the universe could love you so much that he gets jealous. I know for some of you, when I talk about love, you think about abuse. When I talk about love, you you think of manipulation. When I talk about love, you, you, you think about hurts and pain. I want you to know that for every single one of you that this is personal that there is a God who loves you in a way that you cannot even begin to understand and you don't have to be married to understand this love some of you, I know that's never been part of your story and maybe you're sitting in here divorced today or maybe you're just, you're single and you never got married, whatever it is. This God loves you in the way that you've always dreamed to be loved. I know there's another group in here that it's it's really hard for you to understand this because you weren't betrayed. You did the betraying you weren't lied to, you were the liar. You weren't cheated on, you did the cheating. So for me to say that God is a jealous God who loves you, you're like, yeah, I I took myself out of that a a long time ago. I'm just kind of coasting through this now. And and God says, no, I maintain my love, Exodus 34, 7. I maintain it to the rebellious. I maintain it to the wicked. I maintain it for those that are in sin. No matter how horrible you think you are, no matter how far away from God you believe yourself to be, God says, my love is still true for you. So if you're sitting there today, if you ask the question, does God really love me? Or I'll tell you what, maybe if I'll I'll come to church for a while, and I'll, I'll be a good boy, I'll be, I'll be a good gal for a while. And, and after a certain amount of time, I'll begin to feel and, and understand this love. And I'm here to tell you, there's no waiting period. There's a God who, who loves you right now and who wants you to understand his love. And, and, and there may be some things that you need to, to come to him and let go of today. And he's promised to be faithful in those things. In First John, he says this, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Later on, John would say in chapter 3 of 1 John, he says, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything. God's jealous love applies to everyone. The story of a pastor who took a, a couple, uh, to do a wedding ceremony and, and they just went out into a field together and they just had a few friends and family with them. And so, uh, the pastor and the couple just stood in, in the middle of, of the field and, and the family gathered around and, and a very simple moment, very brief message, some vows, some rings, I do's and a kiss. And then the couple did something really unique. They had brought some balloons with them to the ceremony. You see, previous to this moment, they had both been married before. They had both had affairs previously. Uh, there had been some addiction issues. Uh, the gal actually admitted to, uh, she had terminated a pregnancy, had an abortion at, at, at some point. And every balloon that they brought with them stood for one of those things. So they kissed, walked out of the circle with their balloons, said a few words to each other, and then slowly let them go. There would still be more mistakes There would still be more doubt. There would still be all kinds of moments of of shortfall in their lives. But you know what I believe about a God of mercy who's a jealous God? He never runs out of balloons. And wherever you are today, whatever it is that prevents you from loving Him more and from knowing Him more, accepting His love for you and sharing it with others. Let it go. Let's pray together. This morning, right there in your seat, I want you to allow God's Holy Spirit to search you and know you to ask him, God, is there anything I'm holding on to? Why is it that I don't understand your love fully or allow you to love me fully? For every guy in this room, God loves you with a powerful love. He created you with purpose. He created you to be a man who would lead well in whatever sphere of influence he's placed you in, whether it be at work or in friendships or in families. Every woman, he never shortchange you. He's got a plan for your life. And though you may not know, whether you be man or woman, though you may not know what it is to be loved by another in a way that you feel like you deserve, know that God loves you in a way you can never ask or imagine. If you're here today, you've never put your faith and trust in God's love. I want you to know that his love went so far that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. If you would accept that today, he will lead you into a brand new life. This moment, if you'd never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I would say in this right now, in your own words, just say to him, God, I'm coming to a new realization about your love. And I put my faith and trust in the sacrifice of your son today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And today, in a way of showing that I believe I'm forgiven, I'm letting all of those things go. God, come into my life. Show me what it is to live for you. If you give your heart to Christ today, so important, you get started right. You allow others to come around you. and So at the end of the service, I would invite you to take that connection card, take it to the help desk, our help center right outside those two tables. And let them know there that you prayed to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For everyone else, for everyone in this room, there's not a person in the room that God is not jealous for. It's personal. He loves you. You may be deep in sin this morning. You need to have a moment of forgiveness before God, but know that he loves you. He forgives you. Let it go. Let's start fresh. For others of you, you've had moments like that before, but you've, you, over time, you've picked up other things. You're holding other things in your hand. You've got a firm grip on them. They're distractions. They're things that keep you away from loving him fully, from putting all your affection on him. I would say to you right now, let it go. This morning, we invite you to come. If you want to come and pray, the steps are just right there in your chair. As the Holy Spirit says to you, let it go. Let it go. Would you do that? He loves you so much. He's jealous. He loves you so.